You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. is here i don't like house music no it's not, a bit repetitive not that house music i was i felt like i was going for some sort of zombo.com thing oh okay I, I, you know but most people probably don't remember zombo.com i don't you don't remember you never been to zombo no it's like this big thing and they make this there's this it just says on the screen zombo and this voice says over it for like in constant loop keep huh. saying great things about zombo.com but there's never been anything but that at the site oh okay well can it can i give it a shot you, you can at some point yeah go ahead digital noise brought to you by use guys that's good that's the sort of thing yeah exactly okay digital noise is in your mother's bedroom but you're happy about it yeah she could use some attention <laughs> <laughs> Digital noise is going to be your new father. <laughs> uh, I could use one. <laughs> <laughs> Just any. And you'll take any dad at this point. Yeah. Any father figure. What about Vin Diesel? Would he be a good father figure? I feel like he's an awful father figure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's all about that 10 seconds between the starting line and the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe he's an awful husband figure. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, he uh, finishes a little quick. Not a lot. A little of bit, yeah. Yep. Not a little consideration for his uh, driving partner. Yeah, the, Michelle Rodriguez longs for the minute man. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez longs to be out of that franchise. I suspect. <laughs> I still got to keep making out with a dude. Oh well. Uh, anyway, yes, we are going to talk about the new uh, F- Fast and the Furious film, amongst many other things. But please, once again, before we get started, let's get the house cleaning out of the way. And that is, click on our Amazon links that you'll see on the actual digital noise page at oneofus.net. If you click on those links to buy, that goes to the buy page at amazon.com. Uh, if you buy that product, we get a kickback. In fact, if you buy any product as l- on Amazon, as long as you start from our links, we get a kickback from it. So please do that. But even more helpful is if you become a subscriber. Never needed you more than we do right now. There's four different levels of being a subscriber. More and more stuff stuff coming. We've been doing almost weekly commentary tracks lately for stuff. Uh, nice. Yeah, there's some good ones on there, too. We got uh, Cargill on one talking about Doctor Strange, the movie he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we just He's recent- such a name dropper. He's I- like, oh, and back when I was writing Doctor Strange. <laughs> well, we were talking about <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay, so, fine. Yeah, that yeah. one gets a pass. Well, we also had him on recently with Martin to talk about Spider-Man 3, which famously Martin loves to defend as the best Spider-Man Really? Movie. And uh, huh. Although a- now he says it's Homecoming. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Uh, fair enough. But yes, please become a subscriber. We've also started up again the original gentleman, uh, the first episode, which is really two episodes because it's like three hours. Ooh, it's like one of those king size Kit Kats. Well, the first one is free, and then you hey, we split it up into two, so you have to go and like, uh, a drug dealer. Yeah, I gotcha. Exactly. Mm, get a you taste. Get a taste. Baby. Yeah, exactly. And then you got to pay for the second half. But that one we talk all about Spider Man with Jason Murphy uh, joining Martin and I. And we're going to have a lot of big guests coming up to talk more about pretty much comic books. 
We're going to be talking a lot about comics okay. this, in the season four. But anyway, this show is not any of those things. This show is Digital Noise, where we talk about Blu-rays and DVDs, and I'm, of course, joined by Joe. That's me. Thank you, Joe. For You're coming. welcome. I can't believe that you didn't go, that you didn't come with us to the theater to see The Fate of the Furious. Yeah, I did. Oh, did you? I did. Okay, so you yeah. were on the review. All right. Because <laughs> I know that you're always like, I just, I'm, the only movies I want to see in the theater anymore are ones with Vin Diesel driving things. Yeah, which is why I was really pissed off I missed Triple X in the theater. <laughs> but you got to see it on Blu-ray. You got I know. to keep it. I was it like, was so ahead. fantastic. I was like, take it. Take, get it, was, it out of my It was a great house. day. <laughs> was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> you were super excited. All right. So this is, I don't even know what number is this? Eight. It's the eighth installment, <laughs> The Fate of the Furious. And uh, we did, in fact, do a full theatrical review of this. So you can go under Highly Suspect Reviews uh, at the drop-down link at the top of the page. And if you want to hear our full review for it, or you can just search Fate of the Furious in the search bar. But for the record, people always ask me, did y'all review this? Our search bar works great. <laughs> you can look, t- type in a title of any movie, and it will tell you whether or not yeah. we've reviewed should somewhere. be indexed, people. <laughs> but um, this, of course, was a hard one to get to because, obviously, Paul Walker died tragically, uh, not fictionally, but for in yeah. real life after the la- last movie or before it was even done filming. And so they were like, well, what are we going to do for this next one? And, I mean, they wrote him off in a way that was like, okay, well, they did what they had been talking about doing the last two or three movies anyway. It's like, well, he quit crime and went off to go live happily with his wife and kids. Yeah, Seven was a fantastic send-off. Eight uh, is I got, a really troublesome restart. It doesn't quite work, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> and which is a shame because I was so looking forward to this because of introducing in the last one, Kurt Russell is sort of like a, you know, I, I don't know who exactly he works for. Some sort of super black ops. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Higher he's... than everybody else in the government or like handler well, guy. Well, yeah, he's, he's outside of the government. Yeah. But, like, had kind of become their link to, okay, I'm the guy who's going to call on you to help me with, like, right. the serious shit when it goes down. Because now you're not criminals anymore. You're the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> because they've become Teen Girl Squad. Yeah. I, I But, you know, I mean, like, he's – everybody in here seems to behave kind of like – not like we've been, you know, like, more exaggerated but not convincingly ways that they've been before. Yeah, they 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 uh, basically become the bane of their previously established existences, <laughs> and especially uh, Dominic Vin Diesel, who they very unconvincingly, uh, you know, because really you're like that was the only way through this. I don't think so. <laughs> Have him turn on everyone else and come work for a famous cyber terrorist cipher. Uh, played by Charlie Theron, who I actually thought was one of the better things about this movie. Oh yeah, the the dread pri- pirate Theron. Yeah, dreads. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I liked her as the villain, but Vin Diesel's reasoning for working with her was like, yeah, no. Well, no. yeah, like working with her, sure, whatever. You're blackmailed into it, but he does a bunch of shit that kind of like twists the knife as he's doing <laughs> I it. I know. You're just like, I think you might be enjoying yeah, this. I think you're just a dick. <laughs> so the whole movie is everybody else going like, oh god, it can't be true. Dom is he's turned against us. How this can't be real? And uh, and then nonetheless, getting into huge action sequences. And then of course the most unconvincing thing, which is. I feel so stupid saying that considering all the stuff we've happily swallowed that was Im- mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say implausible, but that doesn't cover it. Impossible plot twists. But that bringing back Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham, as one of the team. <laughs> He's like, 
I hate you real bad. Well, I guess I just kind of don't like you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, I wasn't as bad as I seemed in those other movies. I was I was misquoted. <laughs> well, and, and then they, they bring him in and then just basically forget about him for a good hour. But when he comes back, he's the best thing in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, he, he has a, this really funny and well-done action scene on a plane while trying to, to like... A, cradle sensitive things yeah which is that that should be a movie in and of itself i was like that's the best scene in this entire movie like and we're all like we're glad statham's part of the team now even though we're kind of like yeah i don't really they're like didn't he kill one of our best friends well you know let bygones be bygones well okay so they they have russell if they do a nine they might have stallone so the next one should just be Hobbs and Shaw, and it's basically a remake of Tango and Cash. They have actually talked about that. Yeah, because those two know how to play off each other. Yes, they have great chemistry together, and everyone is like, I would totally watch a spinoff with Hobbs, which is The Rock, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Shaw, uh, Jason Statham. They, they're that whole, like, I hate you, I hate you, and then, I, but you're boo. kind of my bro. Yeah, we kind of stroke each other. You're my boo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, this has got fun moments in it, but it's definitely not as good as the last couple ones that have come out. Right. Like, the, the scenery has has always, not always, but I, I would say at least three and on, the scenery has been very important as far as setting tone for these things. And the, the beginning opens in Havana, and it's it's makes you kind of hopeful because there's lots of beautiful scenery, really yeah. great, like, cultural distinctiveness. And then it just kind of like shits generic after yeah. that. Well, they they start with the the every every movie has to have at least one scene. It with a lot of tight ups of girls' asses and bikinis mm-hmm. yeah. and like the music and the drag race. They've got it happens at some point in every movie at least once. Yeah, like, oh, we got to remember that this is what the series was originally about. <laughs> <laughs> and so they find the excuse to make it. To throw it in here, but then by the end of this thing, they're in fucking Russia racing supercars across the ice, fighting a submarine, a submarine yeah. under under them, <laughs> shooting torpedoes at them. And you're like, okay, this is pretty much the plot of Die Another Day at this point. Pretty much, except <laughs> somehow not as uh, fulfilling. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know. It, it was one of those. I think about halfway through, I just kind of tuned out a bit. I mm-hmm. was like, I just don't care anymore. I'm like, before it was like. There was just like the last one, especially. It was kind of on this nonstop rise upwards. I'm having more and more fun watching this, no matter how dumb it is. It knows how to keep me involved and for right. the action scenes to be really well done. F. Gary Gray, who's directing this, who did a great job with um, what is the name of the movie though? About N.W.A. Oh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, Straight Outta Compton. Great movie. I don't know if he's an action director. I don't think he is. Um, this is the, he certainly seems to me like he. Well, he's definitely not as good as Justin Lin, who was knocking it out of the park. Well, is somehow he turned up the volume yet lowered the stakes, and yeah. I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, I, it just yeah, and there, there's like some good ideas that just don't pay off as well as you no, would think. There were some great uh, visual snippets that were incorporated that, that hadn't really been incorporated before. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't enough to say, like, okay, that's a spicy meatball. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, by the way, they are indeed going to bring Theron back. They've said it. Maybe not the next one, but definitely by the one after she'll oh, be returning. Uh, okay. Because well. it's Fast and the Furious. Unless someone visibly blows into a thousand pieces on screen, they're, they're coming. Well, maybe uh, Helen Mirren will kick her in the dick. Yeah. I, <laughs> man, the scene with Helen Mirren lecturing, like, her kids was absolutely top-notch. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll still watch it when I go through my through my watch throughs, but it, yeah, it's one of those when I get decide I'm going to rewatch the Fast and the Furious. It's not so bad. I'm going to be like, yeah, I refuse to watch it. Right. But uh, a lot of bonus features here. They know that a lot of people love the series, so they tend to pack the Blu-rays here with a lot of stuff, which is always the same type thing. Let's look at the characters and their relationships. Let's look at all the cars and the new types of cars and vehicles that we have here. Let's look at the stunts. Let's look at the fight scenes, and then a commentary with the director. Once again. Like, with the commentaries, I don't really want to hear the director on Fast and the Furious commentaries. I want to hear the family all joking around and drinking beer and talking about it. Yeah, you know? Cannibal the Musical, that, that stuff. Exactly. Which is still one, one of the all-time great commentaries. So, so great. Uh, I still go, uh, I think, for all-time best is between that, this is Spinal Tap, and uh, Dr. Horrible. I didn't say that. Dr. Horrible is a musical, and they recorded a whole other musical for the commentary. So it's called Commentary the Musical. That's that's commitment. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on to another title, and that is Behind the Mask. No, this is not the one about Behind the Mask, the Leslie Vernon story, the horror movie. This is Behind the Mask, the Batman Dead End story. And it's not about Rocky Dennis. No, it is not. (laughs) If you have been on the internet for a very long time, or if you're a hardcore Batman fan, you may have encountered at one point a short film that's on YouTube or wherever, you can find it anywhere, called Batman Dead End. And it was a very impressive short film that was made by... uh, amateur filmmaker that was had a lot of it like knowledge and experience and equipment and money behind him but was trying to get his foot in the door was like i think this is i keep not getting a chance and i think this is the way to do it who made this movie where it's batman versus the joker versus aliens versus predator and it's great it's like eight minutes and it's like wow this is one of the at that time when this came out we were like this is the best batman thing we've seen oh man at the end he should have been like backed up by Raphael. that would have been awesome (laughs) to add one more level i'm sure if they they had talked about doing a sequel it never happened but if they had and this is uh covers the making of it it covers the release of it it covers the disappointment afterwards when this guy still couldn't get a job (laughs) yeah no uh he definitely walks oddly because of that huge chip on his shoulder Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's kind of his own fault because, like, in 2003, they put they put this out for people at the San Diego Comic-Con, right? And it was the thing. I mean, it dominated Comic-Con. Everybody yeah. everywhere were talking about it. So many people were talking about it. They had to open up the biggest venue in the entire place off, off a site to do another screening of it. They were mm-hmm. asked by whoever the sponsor, would you mind, if, can we do this, like, a 5,000-seat arena or something? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was all anybody could talk about. And, unfortunately, before this... This Comic-Con was even over. This guy was talking about himself like he was the next messiah. Well, that's that's kind of the, the thing is I instantly didn't like this guy and was kind of glad nothing came of him because as people are talking about him, they're trying to say things in a nice, uh, polite way. But it's very obvious that this dude is, is a very uh, focused uh dickhead mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no he had that sort of same feel you get about uh the guy who did boondock saint yeah where you're like wow Actually. you're really into yourself aren't you that's, that's I mean, super awesome I, this was a while ago so i would hope that he's sort of grown out of this you get the feeling at the end he's finally sort of like come to terms with the fact that he was an asshole well he has a, he has a boat error. that he goes fishing on he should be mm-hmm. fine with life um yeah but that's part of the thing here is you like i, I enjoyed watching this because i love batman dead end i've watched mm-hmm. it so many times but like 
I hoped this was more of a sort of like, look, anybody can make a really great short film. But yeah. no, because this guy no. is not a anybody making a short film. He's a guy who's been in the industry for a while already who has tons of friends in the industry yes. who are <laughs> all coming in to help, like top of the line special effects people and everything, donating their time and equipment to help them. So you're like, oh, that's why this was so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, not enough time is either spent. Uh, one of my favorite things about this is the guy who uh, played the Joker here who is so good. He's really one of my favorite on-screen jokers ever, and there's almost no acknowledgement of him that barely any time is spent with him. He's just wonderful. They spend most of the time looking at how they made the alien and predator suits. Yeah. Or that one great iconic shot where after he's jumped, Batman's jumped and landed that his, his suit, his cape kind just of like comes perfectly up perfectly. Comes yeah. up and you're like, okay, that was a pretty fucking cool moment. And that's so, that's one of the most iconic Batman moments ever put to film. And it's from a fucking fan film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're a big fan of this movie or you're a big fan of bat, uh, of uh, Batman, and I certainly think this is worth seeing, but it's hardly essential. You no. Know? Um, one I would actively tell you to avoid is, and it was only, I think the only reason I, we watched it is because it was the same company distribute, di- distributing this as was Batman, which mm-hmm. I asked for, so they often sent it. So the, here you go, else, I have this too. Is a movie called Game Changers. Now, by the description, I'm like, okay, I mean, who knows? A little indie film that's about uh, a bunch of nerds who are really good at playing Magic the Gathering, and but like to the point where they were like world champions, but now they've gotten older and have computer jobs, and you know, you're, but they think about getting back into it, doing it again, except now with like world, the World of Warcraft equivalent. Uh-huh. Well, I forget what they called it here. It's not Warcraft, it's something else. I think it might have been Warcraft. Did they just call it yeah. Warcraft? I can't remember. It seems well, like it wasn't, but. It's you follow like the main guy, the main two guys, Brian and Scott, who have been friends since they were kids and they're both nerds, but they both grew stronger through their friendship and became so great at playing like Halo and Magic and stuff. Became very famous, like literally sponsored famous made money gamers. But the thing is, is this one, the one guy, uh, Brian, is such an enormous douchebag from the first moment we see him. I'm like, we're supposed to be rooting for this guy? <laughs> And it's fine that the movie ultimately is supposed to be a moral lesson. Look how this guy deserved everything that happened to him. But the whole movie, you're just watching him do nothing like that that, that saves him in any way. There's yeah. no part of him that I'm like, I want this guy to be saved. You just feel bad for his friend who's just because they've been friends for so long is like keeps giving him chances like an abused wife. Well, and also uh, his his motivation. Uh, they did a really shit job of conveying the stakes. Mm-hmm. Like it was just kind of like, oh yeah, uh, we're the bestest in the world now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was there was no real payoff, and you know that could have been budget, but but still, it's very low budget. There there is there. Okay, my biggest problem was that the on, on the cover the 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 title is in the Magic the Gathering font. Yeah, and yeah. there is. So little Magic the Gathering in this piece yeah, it's of shit. Barely covered. <laughs> I would have been much more interesting if it, it would have been more interesting to me if they had just been playing. If they had been going for Magic the Gathering, right? Tournament. Because that that uh that subculture in and of itself is super weird. As somebody who's it pretty deep into it, yeah. Uh, there's there's just oh, there, it's a cacophony of of weirdos <laughs> that they could have explored. Agreed. Whereas Warcraft, it's just not as interesting because you're watching people just play on their computers. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, it's always more interesting. Like, there's that's why there's movies about poker, but not any movies about Warcraft before now. <laughs> Until now, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, except for the Warcraft movie, which isn't about people playing Warcraft. Although, you probably would have spent your time better if you had done that. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Well... Uh, so, so they they also kind of uh, set up this this kind of love story with with uh, not main guy. I'm sorry, I don't remember their names. Brian, cause, yeah, because they were not interesting. Oh, sorry, Scott is not um, the best friend. Yes, yeah. Uh, that they, they just seems forced upon the situation. It's like, yeah. hey, you're kind of chunky and awkward, and I'm kind of hot, and I'm I'm all about that D, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where'd this come from? Yeah, they're like, I like that one chunky, like, awkward guy because he has a poster of an obscure comic that I also like. I will give them credit for this. Uh, Scott had the worst hairstyle in history, yeah. and I think we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> And he's even he's horrible. He keeps going. I didn't saying things like I didn't think girls liked comic books. Yeah. And you're just like, who the fuck made this movie? <laughs> Dick. It's supposed to be present times. I mean, I get the feeling like the director based the asshole character on himself and thinks he's learned something and has not learned anything. No. no. <laughs> yeah, you just end up getting more and more aggravated till the end. You're like, okay, great. He's punished. And not even in that bad of a way. Fuck yeah, that guy. He still I gets what he wants. I don't care about his arc, his journey. I just no, don't care. No, I don't really care about anybody's. And there's not enough here. Like, you expect at least something like this would have a lot of fun, geeky moments in it. And it doesn't. No. Yeah. Like, uh, the magic cards they were playing with were from Limited, and they were all, like, super common. Like, <laughs> nothing. There was... I mean, Kurt Ape, come on, that's so Well, no, easy. he had a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, dragon, uh... Oh, there was a craw worm, but that's 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 kind of. I thought can. at one point somebody had a had a um, one of the super rares that they played. Oh no, they talked about it, but they never showed it because they probably couldn't. They afford couldn't it. afford the. Actual no, they couldn't card. afford dual lands. I often wonder. I have a shit ton of old Magic cards, and I have some betas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just never gone and priced them or looked to see what's I could, worth. I could worth take a look at those for you. I, I could have price them take out. a look sometime. Okay. Yeah. One of them's worth a lot right now. I could use the money. Uh, <laughs> although I'm sure you never get as much, even close to as much money as they are listed as. Not a, no, no, mm-hmm. just like comic books or any other collectible. All right, let's move on to another quote movie, <laughs> and this one comes from Kino's. Well, we got the rights to this along with something else that we actually wanted file, um, Star Crystal. Now, I am kind of a sucker for, like, 70s and 80s, super low-budget, like, direct-to-VHS yeah, sci-fi schlock. schlock. Um, I, and there's – I love Roger Corman's entries, who still did that better than anyone. Like, mm-hmm. I say go watch Galaxy of Terror if you want to see one of the best ever 80s total schlock <laughs> alien ripoffs. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Star Crystal – uh, came out in 1986. T- uh, takes place in the year 2032. Yeah, this seems like what's going to happen in that brief yeah. period. Of time. Yeah. Um, and it's an expedition on Mars, and they find an egg, and they take it to the ship because clearly they haven't seen Because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and it hatches, and there's a crystal, and then there's which releases some kind of slime creature that keeps growing and keeps killing everyone until mysteriously the movie decides that I don't want to be E.T. or some shit. Yeah, no, he's actually like solid dude, or okay? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> oh, you don't want to die? I was totally misunderstanding. You know, the, the, the flailing and the screaming, like in my culture, that means how, how's it going? I mean, it's a bizarre enough. And just out of nowhere, contextual twist that I kind of made me 
perk up and pay more attention to the movie. <laughs> and I'll hand it that, like, because this is, you were just expecting it to basically be a slasher in space. No, definitely. No, no, that, that, that turnaround, I, I had kind of the same reaction because I was kind of multitasking for this one. Like, I, I gave it 30 minutes and I was like, okay, I can check on some other stuff. And then when he became good, I was like, when did this happen? I know, you were like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> How are they suddenly, like, all okay with this? Yeah, they're <laughs> totally chill with each other. It's bizarre. Um, and then that weird ending song, like, the real pretty set. Like seventies style song from the eighties, like a ballad. You're like, okay, whatever. Um, I guess we're. It's not as bad as it looked like it was going to be, but it's not good. No, no. I I, I think I, I kind of walked away from that experience, just going like, oh, that was unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of many of these type films that are all like to some ripping off much better films, mm-hmm. like all sci fi, low budget eighties and seventies films are. And it just fuses two that I can't imagine anybody ever had a meeting and said, yeah, these two should – you should fuse E.T. and Alien. Yeah, totally do that. <laughs> uh, also, uh, with with the, the schlock sci-fi of the 80s, man, uniform uh, oh, yeah. garment sellers had to be doing so well in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I did like kind of the creature creation in some way. The way they, they, they had to have spent a decent amount of money because they keep – the creature keeps changing and getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like reverse shots with tentacles that they <laughs> yes, do. Yes, you know? there are. Uh, um, but it's, I mean, it's goofy, fun enough to watch, and it moves quickly. Like I said, not a good movie, but if this is the type of thing you're after, it's not bad. But I would much more recommend, if you're into looking for this type of film, mm-hmm. Star Slammer, also known as Prison Ship. Uh, also, I can't remember what the other, it was also known as something else entirely, because um, it was intended. Fred Olin Ray, who's one of those directors, who anytime you see like a, a collection about like the worst directors ever or the cultist directors <laughs> ever. He's all, I mean, he's in there. He's one of those guys who's made a shit ton of terrible fucking oh, movies. Oh, this was, this was Space Women in, in, in prison. Yeah, this was supposed <laughs> to be like the first movie of a series. When you actually watch this movie, put it in, it says The Adventures of Tara, Prison Ship Star Slammer. And at the <laughs> yeah. end, it's like, Tara will return. Yeah, was, yeah, like it was a movie of the week. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, but he sure was optimistic, and it. This is the TNA space trashy film, which honestly, if you're watching total eighty sci fi trash, yeah, the TNA helps a lot. Well, this, I mean, this. If it wasn't on USA Up all night, it damn well should have been. Yeah, uh, it was. It's it's basically that caliber. Yeah, and it's like the main character, like uh, Tara, is like barbarian type chick on a planet, and she ends up getting abducted by aliens. Who uh, that's what they do—they abduct hot chicks and bring them on their ship to do work. Yeah, with with uh, Jugs McGee, the warden. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the warden who's like, <laughs> who is just like. This is my visual warden outfit. It just goes down to my navel. It's a teddy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a lot of, like, all the other girls, like, fuck this girl. And then she proves she's better at For no good reason. Like, they just hate her. And also, she wins their approval for no good reason. Yeah. And And then they're all friends. And then they all decide that they're going to get off the ship. And then there's some alien bounty hunter, I guess, guy who kind of works for the bad guys, who they set up as an antagonist. But we see see so little of him that when it comes to like oh it's the final showdown which is two spaceships firing at each other so whatever you're like okay i mean honestly you're watching this for how insanely dumb it is yeah there's there's weird warden sex with a long-haired dude yes uh, it's 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 just the right balance of stupid and i actually felt kind of sad by the end because 
this guy really wanted to make the next Star Wars. Oh, like, well, <laughs> yeah, I, but that's the thing. Fred Olin Ray, I believe, genuinely thought he was a good director. Yeah. And, and doesn't understand the why everybody else doesn't see it either. Right. He was like, you know what? I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm going to give it all I got. <laughs> And, and he did. Man, I'm actually glad they're finally because they haven't really. I've been wondering why these all that giant Fred Olin Ray collection I haven't been seeing getting released. And mm-hmm. It looks like it's finally coming out because yeah, these movies are total trash, but they're the kind of trash you actually want. Yeah, you're like okay, this is like like something I when you invite friends over to get drunk and watch a bad movie, this is exactly what you're looking yes, for. Yes, it's, it's very fast very moving. So. Everybody's clothes come off almost constantly. Mm-hmm. There's ridiculous monsters here. There's like space rats are the big monster. Don't ask. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a menace. There's yeah. Gandalf guy. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets weirder and weirder, and not in a sort of like super creative way, but just like uh, whatever budget they had. John Carradine is in this probably one of his last films. You know, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Star Slammer is once again it's garbage, but it's the kind of garbage that I think. You know who you are if you want to see it. <laughs> There's actually a commentary track by Fred Olin Ray on this fucking thing, if you can believe that. So that's a thing. Now, you didn't get to see this next one, Joe, but it's mm-hmm. another one I would put under the type of trash that can be fun to watch. The okay. TNA horror trash. Okay. Uh, and this is more recent. It is called The Black Room. Dumb. And it really is one of those ones you're like, is this supposed to be a comedy or not? Or is this just... Hilariously bad. Uh, well, you look at it and you're like, okay, so maybe it's not that bad. It's got Natasha Henstridge in the lead, right? Who like, we all remember from Species and not and Roman much Polanski. Else. Yeah, and what? <laughs> oh wait, was she not? You no, know, you're thinking of the one who was uh, like yeah. in Cat People. Yeah, um, who was that one? Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but totally oh, well, different. Doesn't matter. Natasha Henstridge is the one who was the alien who needed to have sex with dudes yeah, and yeah. kill them and mm-hmm. species. Yeah, mm-hmm. she became famous for all her, basically for all her nude scenes in that movie. I never, mean, yeah. Never was... been much of an actress, but she certainly, it's not for lack of trying here. She's like, I mean, <laughs> she's in her 40s and she's still acting and, and she still looks good and, and she's playing the lead in a movie where everyone but her gets naked. Uh, well, know. not Lynn Shay. She doesn't get naked, which okay. is probably thankful for at this point. Lynn Shay, of course, everybody knows from uh, the um, not the Conjuring. What's the other ones? Uh, the Happening? No, no, no. The other horror movies by like the same people. You know, there's I like forget. three of them. I know. I forget yeah. all. Of I'm them. blanking on the name of them. I was just <laughs> looking at the cover of the damn thing. But yeah, you know who Lynn Shay is for the. You know, I could just click on her name and it will say. Oh, oh yeah. right, that lady. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. lady. Yeah, Insidious. She's in the Insidious movies and apparently is getting a spinoff of her own about. But I, I think it's like young someone else will be playing oh, like okay. a younger version uh dominique swain is in this augie duke who good old augie duke well augie duke is one of those people like where do i know her from and it's because i've just seen her in a lot of the directed dvd movies that they send me i'm like <laughs> oh okay just trash but i mean she's kind of a scream queen now she's okay. become a, like one of those people she shows up in something she takes her clothes off she gets murdered <laughs> somebody's got to do it yeah uh the idea is this couple move into a house that um the basement has a door in it that leads to a painted black room that, as we discover, at some point in the 70s, a bunch of hippies had a party, and mm-hmm. then they invited some Satanists Damn it. and summoned Satan, but a girl was too dumb not to stay out of the circle and released the demon, who is a 
lust demon. Dude, this is why you don't invite hippies <laughs> exactly. anywhere. Exactly. They can't tell the difference between Charlie Manson and... Uh, Charlie's their own. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I was trying to think of some nice hippie, but I couldn't. <laughs> is there... <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's a very good question. Yeah, so, like, the idea is, like, since then, Lin Shay, who previously lived there, had been, through force of will and, like, some markings, been keeping the demon trapped in the black room, but then it escaped and killed her and maybe killed her granddaughter, who first it had sex with, in a very entity-type sequence, where Ooh. it, like, has her boobs up and you see something's pushing down on her boobs and tweaking her nipples and stuff. <laughs> but you're like, okay. Well, it's good to know that uh, demons are into nipple play. Well, anyway, so you're like, all right, so after this, this other couple, Natasha Henstridge, they bought the house, and then shit starts going wrong right off the boy pad, although she's like, huh, that's weird, oh well, back to life. And the husband gets possessed by the demon. Uh-oh. So he's, like, kind of manipulating people into, like, taking their clothes off and then being sucked into the room. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's a big, silly movie with lots of ooky gore, like, goopy gore, uh, some really, actually, great effects. There's some visual stuff in here. I was like, wow, that was really well done. I was surprised how good. There's a scene with Augie Duke where basically she's getting the the devil rape treatment and you see under her skin the devil cock go up all the way through and then up out of her mouth. Oh, that's (laughs) some Legend of the Overfiend sort of Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay. But, you know, in a a movie that you were supposed to take serious on any level, that would be kind of offensive. But with this level of it just being TNA, ridiculous over-the-top horror trash, Mm -hmm. you just can't help but laugh at it. It's so (laughs) fucking absurd and i had a good time watching this really bad movie for what it's worth um but i can't recommend it oh yeah james duvall is in this thing too well sure apparently doesn't just doesn't age he looks exactly the same as he did since like five years before he was in donnie darko oh good for him who played frank and the rabbit in donnie darko Yep, and yeah. Doom Generation. And you remember, see, I would have just said that if i realized you knew what that was <laughs> yeah did you ever watch nowhere no same director like Weirder than Doom Generation. I think it's the third movie in the trilogy, the Apocalypse trilogy that he did. Okay. Yeah, it, like, ends with, like, the main character is, like, like the boy he liked was uh, taken up by UFOs, and he's all depressed, and then the light comes in, and, like, like a UFO landing, and the the cute boy shows up, and he's, like, with, with, like, alien shit on him, and, like, peels off all the alien shit, and then he's, like, I've always loved you. And they're like, oh, and it's all romantic. And they lay down the bed, start to kiss. And then the the boy he liked explodes. And there's just a giant cockroach there. And the cockroach goes, I'm out of here. And leaves. And that's (laughs) the end of the movie. (laughs) I was like, I love this movie. Anyway, we're not reviewing that. We're reviewing other stuff. So let's go on to the next one, which is considered to be kind of a J-horror classic. But it definitely hasn't aged as well as one would hope. Nope. Not at all. The 2001 uh, J-horror uh, Cairo with a K, uh, also called here Pulse. They did, in fact, make a really bad American remake of it. Just a almost unwatchably bad American remake of it. This, like most J horror, you watch it and you go, "My God, this is fucking slow." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really slow. But I mean, this uh, played at the Cannes Film Festival and is really well received critically. It has a big cult following still. And you see why watching it, it's an interesting idea with a lot of cool visual stuff that happens. It just takes fucking forever for mm-hmm. things to happen. Uh, there's multiple different characters it's following, so I'm not even going to try and tell yeah, detail it's all super their stories. Disjointed. Yeah, it's very like a linear and like 
But the idea being is that there's a website that people start seeing that, like, is showing footage of this guy they all knew who killed himself. And, like, well, we don't even understand. He was so happy. Why did he kill himself? And it's because there's sort of an awareness of the impending apocalypse, which is of itself everyone dying because they lose all hope. You know, so they kind of just turn into like, uh, like I forget what you call it when like when people are literally just suit on a wall, like a shadow of a person because of a nuclear explosion. Oh, yeah. After images. Yeah. Which is obviously yet. You know, I mean, it's a Japanese movie making a reference to Hiroshima. So, hey, you get to do that. (laughs) Um, And all these people are sort of like they get more and more depressed until they get sucked into this nether realm in that way. And it follows a couple of characters who are basically trying not to become nihilistic (laughs) and survive as the end of the world is happening around them in this weird sort of pseudo David Lynchy ghosty sort of way. Yeah. Like uh, one of the main characters who's investigating this gets help from, I guess she's a grad student in computers. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think he's immune to it because he's just absolute shit at using a computer. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is some degree of that. It's like, I can't even figure out how to get on this website. So yeah, I guess I'd, I'm not going to die. <laughs> Wait, do I do a print screen? What, 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 what's that? I will tell you, I have no idea how it got to the ending. There's like this jump to a thing where the, some of the characters are on a boat. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think that as somebody who, like, if you're really a person who's really super into horror, this is definitely very much worth exploring. If you're really into Japanese films, or especially J-horror, you definitely should have seen this by now. There's some beautiful visual stuff happening. It's just, its pacing is is. It's definitely not for everybody. It's unbelievably slow pacing. It is not for everybody. Uh, but but it is nonetheless something I do recommend worth watching. It is from Arrow, which means they put out a pretty proper uh, release of this thing, as Arrow tends to do. Um, putting on here a decent amount of extras, including an interview with the writer and director of the film, Akiyoshi Kurosawa, who has also done a, a, quite a few other depending on on who you ask important films in uh japanese cinema but de- definitely specifically to the horror genre mm. uh, a lot of stuff i've been looking for and have never been able to find copies of in america a lot of stuff i don't think has ever been released in an american version. it's well it's too hot for tv <laughs> there's an interview with the film's director of photography uh there's a Interview with Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, who worked, who made The Guest and Your Next and and uh, Blair Witch together, talking about how this film was a huge influence on them. Honestly, when this film when it first came out in America, every horror person I knew was talking about. It. Well, I, yeah, you could definitely see how it was influential. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where uh, there was a lot that had to be worked out. That was worked out by people who who later, you know, incorporated it into Agreed. their work. Uh, there's a 40-minute archival making up featurette. There's an introduction at a Tokyo, the Tokyo premiere. There's footage from the film screening at Canson Festival. There's breakdowns of some of the special effects. Um, so, yeah, it's actually a solid package. This is the best version of, of uh, Pulse that you can get. So if that's your thing, well, <laughs> then let go buy it there. Another one you didn't get to see, and I'm only going to talk about briefly, because we recorded a commentary track what, for this. Bro? With uh, Jeff from Rage Select, because I was just, I felt like I had to torture him since I'd been doing so much stuff on his site. Poor Jeff. Is Resident Evil Vendetta. Now, that being said, this isn't really terrible, actually. It's terrible in the context of, like, trying to believe that this is a convincing plot or characters of a movie, but. Or that people give a shit. Yeah, but it's like the. 
Resident Evil Vendetta and the two Resident Evil films before this, Resident Evil Damnation and, and Resident Evil Degeneration, all have really great CG. Like, mm. you're like, my God, they spent a lot of money making this look good. But it's always still not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a thing in here, there's a chase in here with Leon, who is the major star of the first two. Yes, Leon Kennedy. Yeah, second, secondary star here. This is the first one of the three that brings in Chris Redfield. Well, because Chris uh, was the original badass. He is. So. Well, Chris and Leon were both in the original no, Resident no. Evil. Well, Chris Redfield was. Yes. Wasn't Leon in nope. there? When did he do not no, come Leon into the second one? No, Leon and Claire showed up in... Three? Really? Was it yeah, not till two or three? It's been a long time since I played those original games. I only know Chris is in the first one because of that line, you know, I hope this isn't Chris's blood. Well, no, <laughs> it's not as good as you, Jill, the master of unlocking. <laughs> I wish kind of they would make a new Resident Evil game that had that level of corniness well, to it. Well, they need to because Capcom seems to think that people still give a shit about this story arc. Yeah. And nobody does. Well, that's the thing, too. These movies, they take place in the video game story arc. And and even like Jeff, who is like, Jeff, the master of video game reviews, is like, I couldn't begin to tell you how this is supposed to fit into the bigger story. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> it's... And you don't care. I mean, especially after the end of the last game where it's like Chris Redfield shows up at the end of the last game in an umbrella helicopter. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Anyway, there's a scene that I was trying to get to where Leon is on a motorcycle and the zombie dogs are chasing him. Uh And anything the dogs, like, land on, like other cars, they just crush in completely. And you're like, they're Doberman. (laughs) I don't care if they're zombified or not. They didn't gain five tons all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, they're Doberman. <laughs> it's just there's that level of like, wait, why would that happen? <laughs> Although it is a really cool scene. Um, here, Chris and Leon and uh, Rebecca Chambers, who is a character mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wasn't introduced until Resident Evil Zero, I believe. Um, they are all teaming up because they found a cure or like a... a um, what do you call it? A antivirus, whatever. So you mm-hmm. don't get zombified, zombified by the virus. But there's a guy who's now invented an even rougher version of it. Oh, and there's come a on, race people. against time where she's been infected, but they have exactly this much time to oh, save sweet her. Deal. And there's another big nemesis type guy. And I guess this ties into the previous two films from what I've read, but I barely remember the previous <laughs> two films. And like I said, it's pretty. There's some fun stuff. This was deeply influenced by John Wick. Because there's whole sequences that are all that kind with of dogs like dying. Yeah. no no all that kind of gunplay where it's like a guy just like fighting people with John Wick style you know okay. and you're like okay that was kind of cool <laughs> although it's cooler when you're watching it live action because then you're like an actual human being had to do that <laughs> uh, I it's all right there's actually a, a a lot of bonus features on this thing which is surprising to me i guess like everybody's like man i'm not getting that resident evil vendetta unless it's packed with bonus features yeah that's what's holding me back uh, there's an audio commentary uh with the director executive producer and writer uh there's a two-part feature uh called cgi to reality um there's a motion capture set tour there's a stills gallery uh teaser trailers there's a Th- thing called designing the world of vendetta thing called bsaa mission briefing combat arius uh, which is a sto- basically just a story summary that gives you a little preview, preview into the villain and how he played into previous stuff, I guess. And then Tokyo Game Show footage. Okay, whatever. Oh, no, not, nothing here is making you go, well, now I'm going to buy it. I mean, before, no, but now that you said that. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. All right, so we're going to finish up this week 
with The Lost City of Z. We did, in fact, do a theatrical review for this one. So if you want to check that out on the site and type in Lost City of Z at the search bar, that'll pop right up. But we're going to talk about the Blu-ray release here. Joe did not get to see this in the theater. No, but I did get to uh, release a lot of Zs while watching this. Oh, did this really tire you out? <laughs> this, was, this was boring as shit. I can understand that point of view. I'm glad that I saw it in the theater because I didn't love it, but I liked it. I thought there was enough interesting stuff here to keep me going, but it kept having these lulls that you were like, why are we doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that was fun, but let's go back to England. Why are we going back to England? (laughs) This is, we were right in the middle of something cool. And then you're like, let's slow it down. Right, like, ho, ho, ho there. Uh, So, yeah, Charlie Hunnaman of uh, Sons of Anarchy fame was the main character in this, and He's he's got he's in a real pickly situation because his British accent is awful. <laughs> it's not. I it, wish they would just start letting actors use their real accents, and we just go whatever. Well, like, he he's from England, is he? Yeah. So he should have a good English accent. Well, what, what's weird is he did Sons of Anarchy for so long that uh, it started fucking with his his natural, his natural speaking voice. He's been talking like a redneck for so long. Now <laughs> he's got of, a redneck English accent. A little wait, bit. Wait, that should be Cockney though, right? Ah, uh, well. South at the very least. Yeah. Um, here, this is based on a real story directed by James Gray, who's one of those directors I've just never been able to completely connect with, but he's always a, a critical darling. I do think this is the best film he's done, although, like I said, it's just, it's intermittent, my enjoyment of this. Uh, he plays real guy Percy, not, not, uh, uh, not James Gray, uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, plays real life guy Percy Fawcett, British officer, um, who ends up becoming part of the Royal Geographical Society, like, you know, kind of really wanting to be part of it, who agrees to lead a survey uh, party to restore his family's good name. There's problems with his wife and his kids. They should be wealthy, but they're not anymore because his dad was a fuck up. Yep. (laughs) Um, And so this is the thing, like, oh, if we do this, we'll be, you know, back in the good graces of the government. Uh, So the survey is off of the Amazon. He ends up getting hooked up with a... An English guy who's a local, who's local working there for a while, played by Robert Pattinson, who I think turned into just fine performance. Yeah, I thought uh, he was quite all right. Pattinson is a good actor. He was just in a shitty fucking series of movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you going to do? When he didn't have to rely on his face, you know, like <laughs> other talents came forth. Well, the thing is, like, this whole deal, this story where, like, which, like, I think, like, over a hundred years, nobody believed this guy's story that he found evidence of an ancient civilization in the Amazon rainforest, which mm-hmm. is about him after several trips discovering evidence of, like, bit by bit of an ancient civilization. Nobody believed him for, like, a hundred years. It wasn't mm-hmm. until, like, less than ten years ago that somebody was like, hey, we found that stuff that guy was talking about, and here it is. And like, oh, sorry, well, dead shit. guy. <laughs> sorry. Well, dead guy should. No, never mind. I don't know. When they're actually in the jungle or on their adventure, this film is alive and fun to watch. But hmm. way too much of it is just a bunch of British guys arguing with each other back in England. See, I kind of thought that for something that should be as exotic and alluring as, as like, uh, an Amazonian rainforest uh, in, you know, uh, what, 1912-ish? Something like that. Yeah. That that should just be so rich and wonderful and visually stimulating and exciting, and it wasn't. It just it just wasn't. It wasn't as exciting as you'd hoped. I mean, there was no Hovidos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but but it more. wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. just more. <laughs> yeah, more. I mean, it is it, like I, I I kept telling myself I I wish this was a movie with more. 
but it is based on actual real events. Which is part of part of why. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, the fact that all this, I kept saying, the fact that all this stuff really did happen makes it more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, damn, and lived type of thing. Because <laughs> this guy, well, until they didn't. Right. <laughs> um, so, so wait, Spider-Man was in this? Yeah, Tom Holland played uh, his son, uh, eventually. Uh, Sienna Miller plays his wife. You know. Franco Nero, who's like a, towards the end of his career, keeps shop popping up in things, making appearances and stuff. <laughs> the original Django, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta love it. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're a little mixed on this one. I, I still think it's very much worth watching. I will agree with Joe. Drink some coffee before you watch it because it can be a bit of a slog and it's over long. But I thought there was more than enough good stuff here that partially succeeds just because you know this all really happened. Mm. But uh, And once again, Robert Pattinson... Poor guy, who I think is genuinely a good actor, trying to earn his way back into yeah, all his he, good yeah, graces. I could, yeah, I, agree like, with I that. swear, I was just working with the worst scripts you can imagine. What <laughs> and Kristen Stewart, okay, jeez. I mean, Liam Neeson and Samuel L. Jackson looked like terrible actors in the prequels because the script was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is something similar. Anyway, uh, before I get on the uh, the bad end of all the Star Wars diehards, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. I want to thank Joe again for joining me. Hey, thank you. Uh, we will. I'm not sure if it's the next episode or the episode after, but we were starting to introduce new folks to be doing the shows with me. Uh, Neil Anderson is going to be one of the first people to come in. Who you guys uh, have? We had on one recording. I want to say it was the hardcore Star Wars fan look at the n- trailer for the next movie. I can't remember. Okay. But uh, anyway, he will be one of the new uh, recruits so that Joe and Marco don't have quite as much homework Man, as they've I, had. I can't wait to hear their origin stories. <laughs> right? Let's go. Well, yeah, we're going to start with like a a, a, a prequel episode. <laughs> <laughs> episode zero. Uh, anyway, that's it for Digital Noise. Please join us again in probably less, uh, a week or so when we have more titles for you. Thanks so much for listening. Net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel. <laughs>